Well, she said, I'm Amy Rieger. I'm the kids pastor here. So if you want to sign up for volunteering, that would be a great thing to do. Um, also, I said in the first hour, and I still feel this in the second hour, that I feel really inadequate getting up here after that story about camping. Um, I like being in my house. So, but I'm going to come up with some stories for you guys. Don't worry. Um, We've been in this series called Ingredients for Revival, um, and I love this series because we, we have talked about revival as a time when the speed of God's movement quickens and multitudes not only become aware of his presence, but experience it in a life-changing way. And isn't that something that we need across our earth right now? We need for God's speed to quicken. We are inviting him to come. Um, when revival comes, the presence of God comes with revival. And the presence of God is what changes lives. The presence of God is what breaks addictions. The presence of God is what brings healing into our hearts and our bodies. The presence of God is what heals communities, families, nations. But unless we position ourselves to ask for this move of God, it generally doesn't happen. And so we've been talking about these ingredients where we can position ourselves for this move of God. We can't create revival. That's the Father's business. He's the one that decides when his presence falls in such a way that communities and nations are changed in that way. But we can position ourselves with some ingredients. And we so far have talked about humble prayer, um, repentance and worship as, as pathways to revival. Um, but today, we're going to actually hit pause on the ingredients. This is halftime of the ingredients series. And we just want to talk about the presence of God. What is the presence of God? And what happens when the presence of God shows up? Because I think in our culture, as I started thinking about the presence of God, just the word presence itself is a missed concept these days, isn't it? Being present with someone else is hard. We live in the most distracted time in history where being present with one other person doesn't even seem possible most of the time. I've seen this in my own life. If you have small kids, you know that they're asking for your attention all day long and they're asking for your presence. They're asking for just one-on-one, -on -one, you and them, eye to eye. And then I have a text message that I answer most of the time, mostly from you guys. Um, I have this text message and so I'm doing this while I'm looking at them, trying to go back and forth and, and the presence gets lost. Or maybe you're at a conversation with somebody over coffee and, and you've got it. You've got the presence of one another and then a ding on one of the phones and immediately the attention gets shifted from the presence. One of the best ways to see this in action is going over to the youth room. Students who are in here, welcome. We're glad you're here today. But go over there on a Sunday night and see a group of students in each other's presence but not present with one another because they're all staring at their phones, texting other people, looking on their social media feeds. But guys, that's us too as grown-ups. We're the same way. And so presence gets lost and there's a cost to this. It's at the expense of our relationships. It's at the expense of depth of relationship. It's at the expense of vulnerability. It's at the expense of truly connecting with one another, including our relationship with God, isn't it? It's at the expense of we say we want this revival, we say we want all these things, and yet our attentions get pulled so quickly from the Lord to these other things that are going on in our lives. But when you're present with someone, someone you might be in awe of, something happens inside of you, right? 
there's this thing that shifts and moves in you and there's this like, oh, I have the attention of the one I seek. Now, I think I've shared with you guys before that my son plays baseball and right now he's playing for the RBI Reds team, which is like the Reds Academy team. And we were at practice about a month or two ago and there, there were these rumblings around the academy that there was somebody present, somebody that our kids loved, somebody that our kids have been watching on TV since they were two years old. Joey Votto was on the, the campus. Now, you have to understand that Joey Votto's a big deal to these nine-year-old boys. And as the rumor got to their field, this nine-year-old field, they weren't present with their coach anymore. Right? There was no attention giving to the coach. Their, 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 their necks were craning over to the other field to see where he was at. And the coach, who was a smart man, ended practice and said, go throw your gloves in the dugout and go over and see Joey. And I have never in my life seen nine-year-old boys run as fast as this group of nine-year-old boys did. I wish they would do that when they hit the ball and run to first. They sprinted for this other field where he was at. They're chucking off, their, they're taking off their shoes, they're taking off their shirts, their hats to get him to sign these things. And I just found out he's not even a part of the Reds organization anymore. So, here we are. Um, but it's a big deal to these kids. They were in the presence of their hero. In the presence of their hero. And they got a minute, each one of them, eye to eye, face to face with him. My son said he never wanted to wash his left hand again because he got a high five from Joey Votto. Now, this is worship, right? This is, this is worship and it's misplaced. I mean, the guy only hit 202 this past year. He was actually awesome, you guys. He is a class act all the way around. But it made me start to think. My boy ran that fast to be in the presence of one of his heroes. Do I run that fast to a place where the presence of God has been invited? Do I get out of bed and sprint to get to a place where God, the table has been set for God's presence? The very one that created my being, the very one that gives me breath every day, wants to interact and be face to face with me, and how quick am I to run there? How much excitement wells up in me for a glimpse of Jesus? Now, to be clear, we can interact in God's presence anywhere, right? Jesus told the woman at the well that, that there's a time coming when we're not going to have to worship here or there, that we worship in spirit and in truth, and we can interact with God's presence anywhere that we are. But how excited do we get to pour our hearts out to the one that made our hearts? Or are we too distracted for the presence of God? Or... Do we struggle with this? Because church in our Western world and the presence of God in our midst often gets whittled down to religion, right? To doing for God, to doing all these things for him, these discipleship practices, which are all great practices to do, but do we get so caught up in doing these things that we miss the very presence that we're doing them for? Do we resign ourselves that his presence might be for a time far away, but not for now? Right now, we just can't have the presence of God. Or maybe we just believe we don't deserve the presence of God. How many of us may be sitting here thinking, I'm not good enough for the presence of God? 
there's too much junk in my life to be stepping into the throne room of the presence of God because I've done too much or I've had too much happen to me. We become victims or we've never really experienced it so we don't even know what we're looking for. But isn't truly being in the presence of God the thing we were created for? This is why he made us, right? Look back in Eden. This was God creating humans in his image so that he could dwell with them, so he could be with his creation, so that he could love us face to face, eye to eye in the garden. In Genesis 3.8, it says that Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, which means they had been with him enough, been in his presence enough to know the sound of his footsteps. If you have small children, you know exactly what that's like, right? You know the sound of your kid's footsteps. You know which one's coming. They knew God was coming because they heard his footsteps. They had been in his presence He created Eden in such a way that he could just dwell with us, that he could be known by humans, encountered by humans, loved and worshiped by humans. And of course, that intimate presence, at least as it was in the beginning, got lost as well in Genesis 3 when Eden or Eve believed the lie that God was holding out on her, that she wasn't able to be in his presence anymore because she believed a lie about herself that he had held out on her. And isn't that lie, there was a rejection wound that entered with that lie, and isn't that rejection wound the one that we still deal with today? Because I know, for me, for a long time, I believe that God just tolerated me, that I wasn't good enough to be in his presence, that I had to work really hard for him, but I don't know about intimacy with him. And that's where I sat for a long time, and that was the same lie that Eve believed in the Garden of Eden. But here's the deal, and here's the good news. The entire story of history is God chasing after his people to be in their presence and to bring us into his presence because he's a good dad and he loves us that much, right? It's the very thing he desired from creation is to walk with us and be with us. And he gives us so many footholds throughout the Old Testament as he chased the Israelites. And so many footholds throughout the New Testament with Jesus and the early church to help us understand and see what it looks like to come into the presence of God. So in Moses' day, he set out a marriage covenant with the people of Israel. It was the Ten Commandments. He gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He gave him the plans for an Ark of the Covenant where he put the Ten Commandments in a mercy seat on which God sat. And then he gave him plans for a tabernacle, a tent, that the Israelites could take with them everywhere they went where the presence of God would rest so that he could be as close to his people as possible. But there was a a veil in front of that holy of holy places where they set the Ark of the Covenant, and only one person was actually allowed into the very presence of God, only one time a year. It was the high priest, and it was on the Day of Atonement, and it was only through a blood sacrifice. You can see the foreshadowing coming to the very Lamb of God, Jesus himself. So there was this idea of God's presence in the Old Testament, of where he was with them. But then fast forward to David. Beth talked a bit about David Last, last week, she's a, he's a man after God's own heart. I love David because I would say that David's not only a man after God's own heart, he was a revivalist. 
David wanted nothing more than the presence of God being with the people of Israel. He says in Psalm 27:4, this was David's heart. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. David somehow understood that the presence of God was the most important place he could be, was the best place he could ever be. He called him a refuge, a strong tower. He encouraged everyone to seek the Lord above all else and seek his presence. And so when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem after it had been gone for quite some time, he actually built a different kind of tent, a different kind of tabernacle where there was no veil. And people could worship. The presence of God was accessible to all the people. And there were musicians that were paid and some that weren't. And there were thousands of people worshiping God day and night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Worship was the catalyst for revival in David's day, bringing our mind's attention and our heart's affection to the Lord, singing day and night around the presence of God. Something was happening in the hearts of the people in that presence. But friends, we live in a different day. We live in a day, and this is the most exciting part, where because of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the presence of God, God was not okay with the presence being in a box. God was not okay with the presence of God not being so near to us. He wasn't even okay with Jesus walking around on the earth bringing the presence in one man. He was so wanting to be close to us that he sent his son to die on the cross so that we could have the Holy Spirit in us. We get the very presence of God inside of us. That's how close God wants to be to us when we say yes to Jesus and decide to follow him. Our hearts were created for the presence of God. He is in our midst and he is accessible right here, right now, all the time. Ephesians 2.13 says, we who were far off have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And Galatians 4.6 says, because you are his sons and daughters, stop there for a minute. Because you are his sons and daughters, every person sitting in this room from the smallest to the oldest, is a son or daughter of God. That's where my heart beats. Because it wasn't until I understood that I was a daughter of God that I recognized that I could step into the presence of the Father. That's where our hearts should beat. And if you feel right now like you are not a son or a daughter of God, that's a lie, just like the one that Eve believed in the Garden of Eden. Because you are, you were created by him, for him, with a purpose to be in his presence where he could heal and grow and turn our lives into something so much more than we ever could imagine. The presence of God, being in his midst, letting our guards down and allowing him to do the work that he did. Remember when Jesus came, I love this in Luke four, he says why he came. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim the good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what the presence of God does in our lives. And so it's a get to. It's a get to. We get to step into the presence of God. So today, friends, we're gonna do something a little bit different because now you know what God desires with his presence being in your presence we're gonna give you an opportunity to step into the presence of God. I'm gonna invite Abby up 
and a team of friends who do this every week on Tuesday and Friday, they do what's called a prayer room. We're in here for an hour from 12 to one on Tuesday and Friday. They open the space to invite the presence of God to come, to sing and worship to the Lord. And so we're gonna do that as a corporate gathering and that's not exactly what Sunday morning is typically like, but we're gonna challenge everyone a little bit today. What I say to the kids in the back is when we worship, when we lift our hearts to the Lord and step into his presence, it's a get to, not a have to. It's a get to because right now, in Revelation four and five, it paints this picture of what is happening in the throne room of heaven. You ever read it? There are angels 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just like David's tabernacle, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There are elders around the throne who are getting on their knees and casting their crowns before the throne of God, repenting in humble prayer. And God says, come up here. Come up here. You, my son, you, my daughter, come up here. Be with me in this place. You're redeemed. Come up here. You can come into this place. And so we invite. God invites us and we respond. And so we're going to give you a chance to do that today. We're going to spend the next 20 minutes or so in a prayer room feel. You have full freedom during this time. You can stand up. You can sit down. You can come up and kneel up at the front. That's usually where God puts me in the prayer room. You can walk a little bit in the back. However, you feel like the Spirit of God is moving you to connect with His heart. That's what we want for you today. We're not forcing anything, and it's not about finding a feeling of the presence of God, because this really isn't about us. It's about Him. It's us stepping into the throne room and aligning our hearts with what they were created to do to begin with, which is worship. And that's what drives revival because that's where God can heal things. When we repent in this place, we lay things down that God already died on the cross for 2,000 years ago, so what are we holding on to them for? Let's put them down at his feet, the things that we're holding on to that are bringing us fear or shame or anxiety. Put them at the feet of the cross. Put them at the feet of the throne. We get to lift our hands in worship. You can lift your hands. Be in the presence of God. Close your eyes. Sometimes I ask Jesus, where are you right now? And he'll either give me a picture or a thought or even just let me know that he's near. So we invite you to do that today. And this might be uncomfortable for some because we get distracted. And 30 million things might come across your plate of what you have to do later today. Try to push it aside. Just to be in the presence of the one who wants you. He wants you right now. And so I'm gonna leave us with one thought from scripture. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23 says, therefore, and you can close your eyes as I read this, brothers and sisters, since we have a confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And Jesus, you are faithful, and we just come to you today, stepping into your presence with the full assurance of hope. Let us see you.